Well, the band took their vows seriously just then, right? They wasted no time trying to tell Declan and Toby and Leland about Jesus. Uh, Kids, K through 5, you are excused to go with Pastor John to Kids Church. And the rest of you have signed up for fun with me. Um, We are in Leviticus. I know the bulletin says chapter 18 and 19. Uh, Y'all did so well last week with all of chapter 16. There wasn't any grumbling or moaning uh, about reading an entire chapter of Leviticus in church. And so I'm going to give you a pass on chapter 18 today. and We're just going to go to 19 and read verses 1 through 18. In your pew Bible, it's on page 115, I'm sorry. Again, that's Leviticus chapter 19. And we'll be in verse 1 and go through verse 18. There it's written, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. You shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourself any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. When you offer a sacrifice, a peace offering to the Lord, you shall offer it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it or on the day after. And anything left over until the third day shall be burned up with fire. If it is eaten at all on the third day, it is tainted. It will not be accepted. And everyone who eats it shall bear his iniquity because he has profaned what is holy to the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from his people. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely. And so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. But you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would, please join me in prayer. O holy God, 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Antinomianism. Who's familiar with it? Antinomianism, right? Okay, so if you had reading a list of rules from Leviticus and a multisyllabic word you've never heard before from your pastor on your game cards at home, see Pastor John afterwards, you've won a prize. <laughs> Antinomianism. It, it comes from Greek. There's a couple words there. Anti, we understand that to mean not. And, and nomos means law. So antinomianism is against the law. And, and it's a, a term used for a theological understanding um, that, that is quietly, quite frankly, an unbiblical conclusion to biblical teaching, right? The, the teaching goes as this, that in Jesus Christ, all of our sins, past, present, and future have been forgiven. Amen? Amen. Right? We, we understand that truth. But antinomianism, right, is against the law. And so they come to the conclusion that there is a belief that there are no moral laws God expects Christians to obey. That I've got Jesus. He died. My sins are forgiven. I've got the insurance policy. I've put it away in my safety deposit box. I now may resume life as it was before. That's antinomianism, and it's an unbiblical conclusion to a biblical teaching. In fact, for, for Christians, it, the ending is different, right? For, for Christians, it, it's that Jesus died and our sins are forgiven, and so we have faith in Christ. And it's not... Life resumed as it was before. It's a new birth. It's a new creation. It is dead to self and living for Christ. Your old self is gone. It's, it's gone away and you are now a new creation for the Lord. We aren't to turn back and just resume as if everything was the same. That, that all of a sudden tomorrow when we get back on Monday and we've come to faith in Christ and now it's Monday, we just go about our Monday like we've always gone about our Monday. That's not the calling for those who have faith in Jesus. There's a calling to holiness and obedience beyond our salvation. See, here in Leviticus, we've gotten to the part where there's a lot of rules, a lot of regulations. It, it sounds a lot like Ten Commandments, but it's broken down a bit more. And, and some of them we can understand, right? Respect your mom and your dad. That, that's good. We, we all agree upon that one. But eating leftovers on the third day and you're cut off, that's where God draws the line, right? Leftovers on the third day? That's where he draws the line. But, but there's all of these rules in there. And, and so God gives the Israelites the law. And he gives them these laws because God is holy. He said it at the beginning. Be holy, for I am the Lord your God, and I am holy. So, so that's the premise of everything. God is holy, and so he wants his people to be holy. So he gives them the laws of what holiness looks like. And so now there's a path forward. Well, if the Israelites, if anyone can just keep all of the law, they've earned salvation. 
That's it. That's, that's, that's the secret. You want to do it yourself version of salvation? That's it. Just keep the law, all of it. Keep it perfectly as God has written. But God understands his people. He understands that we are sinners and that we rebel against him despite being his people. And he knows this for the Israelites. So, so the Israelites, he knows, uh, ha- have a tendency to be rebellious, to be forgetful, to want to go do their own things. And, and God knows they're not going to be able to hold up to the law. So he gives them the sacrificial system so that they may stay within right relationship with God because God is holy and he can't stand the filth of unholiness amongst his people. And so he creates the rituals so that they may be cleansed. We, we covered that the past couple of weeks, the different rituals kind of that goes along in that sacrificial system. And it's by God's grace that he gave it. And, and remember, we're, we're humans. The Israelites are humans. And, and they're now living in a fallen world. But God knows the solution, right? The solution isn't to change the environment. The solution is a changed heart, a rebirth. It's not to get everything set up perfect around you and then man and woman will no longer sin. If we remember correctly in paradise, at the very beginning, everything was perfect. The environment around them was perfect and still they sinned. It's not the environment. It's the heart. It's, it's our desire. It's in our very nature. And so here in Leviticus, we get the laws. We see that the Israelites get the sacrificial system. But, but what it points to more than that, when we see the law, and, and there's this path forward now of how we can earn salvation, we can get it on our own. What it actually reveals is what the psalmist says, what Paul quotes in his letter to the Romans, that none are good. That we all fall short of the glory of God. No one can keep the law perfect. Jesus encounters such a man who believes he's kept all the law. Remember that? The rich young ruler? He approaches Jesus. If you're unfamiliar, he approaches Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, keep all the law and the commandments. He says, I've done all of that. And Jesus says, well, sell all your stuff. Give it to the poor and follow me. And the man walks away. He was unable to part with his stuff for God. And in that moment, God, re- Jesus revealed in that man's heart that he loved stuff and what it gave him more than he actually loved God. Despite being perfect in all other aspects, the rich young ruler did not earn eternal life through his own actions. You and I, we don't earn eternal life through our own actions, through keeping the law. We can't keep the law. And and in fact, we don't have the sacrificial system anymore. We have Jesus. And, and, And it's because of Jesus, God sends his son, the son of the living God comes and is born and lives and he dies on the cross, shedding his blood Three days later, he rises from the grave, and then he will ascend to heaven, and we now joyfully await his return. 
And because of what Christ has done, our faith in him, all of our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. So what do we do with all these laws? What do we do with all of these regulations? Folks, Paul addresses this. He writes a letter to the Romans. And in doing so, there's, there's that chapter 5 where we hear the verse 8. But while you were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, proving God's love for us. And, and Paul expands upon this death by Christ and our salvation that we have in him and how God is glorified through the grace he gives us. And so beginning in chapter 6, he anticipates People wanting to say, well, I can just go on living the way I, I'm doing, right? He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? That God's glory would show more? Yeah, all my sins, past, present, and future are forgiven. But if I go on and I, and I sin more sins, then God's glory is shown greater because there's more grace poured out upon me. Isn't that how it works, Paul? By no means. By no means, that's how it works. He says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? See, Paul makes it explicitly clear that, that for the Christian who has faith in Jesus Christ, it isn't an insurance policy filed away in a safety deposit box because if that's all you're relying on and there is no obedience to God, there is no growing in grace and growing in holiness, when you go to collect on that insurance policy, it probably will not work. True followers, Paul says, true followers of Jesus are the ones who grow in God's grace, that pursue holiness and obedience. Folks, we understand our own sinful nature and that in this life, we will not be perfect. We will not be without sin, but we're to strive towards it. In this process of sanctification, of being made holy, of growing in this grace in process. Because there is a day that we will come face to face with God and there will be no more sin. And there we will be holy with our holy God. And so Paul says it in a different way. right? He understands the scriptures. Be holy for the Lord your God is holy. Well, he writes to the Ephesians, and, he's, and he says it different to them. In chapter 5, he, he begins by telling them, be imitators of God. You want to know what holiness looks like? It's God's character. Be like him. You want to know what loving looks like? Be like God. It's him. You want to know what justice looks like? God is it in its fullness. God is the one we are to imitate. See, I remember as a kid, Growing up, I, I love basketball. It is my absolute favorite sport to play and to watch, I'm, and I'm terrible at it. But I grew up playing basketball in my driveway. My parents were kind enough to put a goal in our driveway, and in 1991, Gatorade puts the advertisement out, Be Like Mike. 
Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time. And if you're a LeBron fan, I'm sorry, but it's just fact. Be like Mike, the Gatorade commercial, because Michael Jordan, he's the one who leaped from the free throw line and dunked a basketball. He flew through the air. They made a logo of him flying through the air. And so there's the commercials, be like Mike. Boy, did I want to be like Mike. I'm out in my driveway trying to be like Mike. I'm begging my parents, I need the shoes. I've got the Gatorade. I've got the basketball. But I need the shoes so I can fly. I want to be like Mike. It's every kid's dream who couldn't jump. To be like Mike. We all have something like that at some point in our life or our childhood where there was someone we wanted to be like. And so we began imitating them in every parts of our life. Maybe dress like them, maybe adopt the way they talk. Started working hard in the way they worked hard to get where they are. But folks, Paul tells us If you want to be like anyone, be imitators of God. Turn your eyes upon Christ. Peter, when he writes his first letter, he says, therefore, after he talks about salvation, he says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Jesus, the apostles, and God himself all agree that God's people, Christians, we should resemble God. We shouldn't be out reflecting the world back to itself, but we are to be ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the world. We are to be lighthouses and mirrors that reflect the holiness and the glory of God into the world. We are to be set apart from the world. Paul says it, we're a bit peculiar. See, the word church in Greek is really the word ekklesia, and it means to be called from the world to God. In which we are no longer residents of the world, but we are aliens, for this is not our home. We're sojourners and strangers in this land, for our home is with our Father, who is in heaven. So we're to be different. We're to be holy, for the Lord our God is holy. And for us, whenever we're struggling and wondering exactly what that might look like, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Amen.